The thyroid debacle, why the current medical model is keeping you sick and unwell. Stay tuned to hear Dr. Eric Balkovich with his unique perspective. So the big question is, how do women over 40 like us keep weight off, have great energy, balance our hormones and our moods, feel sexy and confident and master midlife? If you're like most of us, you're not getting the answers you need and remain confused and pretty hopeless to ever feel like yourself again. As an OBGYN, I had to discover for myself the truth about what creates a rock solid metabolism, lasting weight loss and supercharged energy after 40 in order to lose 100 pounds and fix my fatigue. Now I'm on a mission. This podcast is designed to share the natural tools you need for impactful results and to give you clarity on the answers to your midlife metabolism challenges. Join me for tangible natural strategies to crush the hormone imbalances you're facing and help you get unstuck from the sidelines of life. My name is Dr. Kieran Dunstan. Welcome to the Hormone Prescription Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Hormone Prescription with Dr. Kieran. Thank you so much for joining me today as we are going to talk about the thyroid debacle. Dr. Eric is a chiropractor who's functional medicine trained, who really has a unique way of articulating the difficulties with thyroid management, not only in traditional corporate allopathic medicine, medicine or medical model, but in a functional medicine model, model, this is where a lot of us actually get it wrong too, because we just change trying to chase T4, we're trying to chase T3, and a lot of practitioners don't look to identify and address the underlying root cause of thyroid disorders, which you must do if you're going to fix thyroid disorders once and for all. So Dr. Eric has written a book, The Thyroid Debacle, and he has a very unique perspective about a cell danger response that you're going to want to hear about. There's a lot of information here. It's very dense. He talks very quickly. So if you don't catch it all, you might want to play it a little more slowly than usual so you can hear everything. But there's lots of good information in here. And we're going to tell you the top three steps to start taking to address your thyroid problems. He talks a lot about testing and so much else in this episode. So I'll tell you a little bit about him and then we'll get started. So Dr. Eric Balkovich is a nationally recognized speaker and educator on various health-related topics, including thyroid physiology, biophysiology, detoxification, oxidative stress, methylation, and chronic illness. He's a functional medicine practitioner and a licensed chiropractor in Pennsylvania and is the owner and founder of Rejuvagen, a functional medicine clinic in Chad's Ford, PA. Welcome, Dr. Eric, to the show. Well, thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. So we are going to talk about one of my favorite topics, thyroid, because that's one of the things that kept me stuck for years, 243 pounds with all my chronic health problems. And I kept thinking, I know I've got to have a thyroid problem. I have the top five symptoms, right? I'm overweight, I'm tired, I had hair loss, constipation, anxiety, and a host of other things. But every time I would do the standard thyroid profile as a board certified OBGYN, it would come back quote unquote normal. And I started thinking I was crazy. And I even remember the last time, Dr. Eric, 
that I went to my internal medicine doctor and I said to her, I have to have a thyroid problem. Look at me. And she yelled at me. She said, fine, we're going to check it one last time. But if it's normal, then it's just because you eat too much and you don't exercise enough that you're having all these problems. And she made me come to her office to get the lab results because she was so fed up with me. And many people listening can probably relate to that because so many patients really do have low thyroid, but the tests come back normal. And I remember when I went to her office and drove across town that Tuesday, it was just starting to rain and I was so afraid she was gonna tell me it was normal again and that's exactly what she told me. And she yelled at me and said, you just eat too much and don't exercise enough. And I went in my car and closed the door and the rain was coming down and I started crying because I thought, I'm just crazy. There's really nothing wrong with me. And I know there's somebody listening right now who thinks that. So let's get into thyroid, the thyroid debacle, and how my story was not at all unique. It's actually very common. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I think a huge problem for a lot of people is that we assume that two tests, and many times one test, assess the state of thyroid physiology in the whole body. So most people, if they have, they're tired, they're fatigued, they're gaining weight, they're constipated, they have depression, anxiety, irritability, they have all these symptoms and they Google them, they go, sounds like a thyroid condition since your thyroid hormone drives the metabolism of the body. And so if you have the signs and symptoms and you get tested in a traditional allopathic model, what allopathic physicians have been trained to do, much like yourself, is to assess, to run one test. And many times it's called a TSH, but many physicians will run a TSH with a reflex to free T4. And so what they're looking at is this marker TSH, if that's out of the normal lab reference range, then there's a possibility based on the model that somebody might have either hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism. If the TSH is elevated, they might have hypothyroidism where their thyroid gland can't make enough thyroid hormone. And if it's below the lab reference range, then they might have hyperthyroidism. And if it's if the value's out of the reference range, then the lab automatically runs what they call a free T4 test. And T4 is the primary hormone that's made by the thyroid gland. So what they want to see is if the TSH is high, is it because there's the thyroid gland's not making enough T4? Or if the TSH is lab low, is it because there's too much thyroid hormone being made? But if you have tired fatigue, all the symptoms of hypothyroidism, they're looking to see is that TSH high and the free T4 low. And they're assuming that as long as the values are with TSH is within that reference range, that there isn't a thyroid problem that they can address. And their primary reason for that is in an allopathic world, they're typically not re recommended. All the guidelines, you've read them all, I'm sure. The guidelines don't recommend intervention with thyroid hormone replacement until the gland is damaged or destroyed to a point that it can't make sufficient thyroid hormone anymore. Until that happens, until there's overt glandular dysfunction, the general recommendations aren't to provide thyroid hormone. And so they'll say, hey, your thyroid's fine. The thyroid gland could be fine, but what causes hypothyroid signs and symptoms is less about the gland and more about what's happening inside your individual cells and tissues, which isn't fully represented 
by a TSH and a free T4. And that's where most people struggle and have problems. So to back it up for your listeners, you have trillions of cells in your body. They're like people. They need to bring nutrition into the cell and then turn that food energy into cellular energy so they can make proteins and peptides and hormones and all kinds of good stuff, hair and skin and all this stuff that makes us feel and function well. And T3 is a is the active thyroid hormone that really drives that process. So we have this gland that's right underneath our chin in the middle of our neck, and it's it's called our thyroid gland. And when it gets stimulated, when the body senses that there's more thyroid hormone is needed, the pituitary gland generates a hormone called TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. It signal, it goes to the thyroid gland and that triggers more hormone production. The thyroid gland primarily makes T4. That's the primary circulating hormone. It's, in a, it's a less active hormone. It still has activity, but it's less active. What the cells do with that T4, once that T4 enters the bloodstream and a little bit of the active form, T3 enters the bloodstream, but it's really at a ratio of about 10 to 1, 8 to 1 maybe. But that thyroid hormone enters into the bloodstream then like almost all hormones in the body, it gets docked onto a like, an, like a taxi cab. We call them binding globulins. And they get escorted through the bloodstream to the cells and tissues that need hormone. Once they get to a cell or tissue that needs hormone, the hormones become free of that binding globulin or get out of the taxi cab. And now they can get, it, get to the cell. Once those hormones are at the cell, then there's another step. The cells have to determine, do they want more hormone or not want more hormone? If it's a cell that's in low stress manufacturing mode, it's going to bring T4 in, maybe a little bit of T3 in, and it's going to convert the T4 into T3. That T3 goes to the receptors inside the nucleus, inside the mitochondria, and turns on the manufacturing process so that the cell can generate the energy, can bring glucose in, other nutrients in, and make the stuff that makes us feel good. That requires a lot of energy, so we burn glucose, we burn fats, we feel and function good, we're able to maintain our weight. And then when we have enough metabolism, those cells say, okay, I'm going to slow this process down. It can kind of de bring less thyroid hormone in or deactivate the thyroid hormone to slow the metabolism back down. That's how it should work. And that's what we call homeostasis. But for a lot of people, they've got some type of danger physiology going on. There's stress, there's inflammation, there's infections, there's toxins, there's organisms that are impacting a cell. And if the cell is starting to perceive danger because there's a bacteria or a virus or some toxicity, that cell innately says, whoa, we need to shift from manufacturing and shift our attention to cell defense. We need to make more inflammatory chemicals. We need to ramp up the immune system to find the threat and kill it. And the dimmer switch to determines whether we're in manufacturing mode, high metabolism, making hair and skin and hormones, or whether we're in cell defense mechanism is the amount of thyroid hormone in the cell. The amount of T3 in the cell can turn on the manufacturing, but higher levels of T3 in the cell can also turn off the immune inflammatory process. But if I have if I have a cell stress or cell danger response going on, 
I want to increase the manufacturing. I don't want to make more sex hormones. I don't want to make more proteins and peptides that could support the threat. I don't want to bring more glucose into the cell that could support the threat. I want to slow the metabolism down. I want to ramp up the defense mechanisms. And to do that, the cell reduces the amount of T3 in the cell, slows down the mitochondria, reduces glucose coming into the cell, ramps up inflammation so it can find and just damage and destroy the mm-hmm. threat. And that okay. unfortunately causes mm-hmm. hypothyroid symptoms, even if you have a perfectly functioning thyroid gland and plenty of thyroid hormone in the bloodstream. So are you talking about subclinical hypothyroidism where TSH is in the quote unquote normal range and so is T3 and T4? Is that what you're talking about? So you could have hypothyroid signs and symptoms and have a perfectly normal TSH. It could be a low TSH and still have hypothyroid signs and symptoms. Mm -hmm. So if somebody has the signs and symptoms of hypothyroidism, then we have to look at a more comprehensive thyroid panel to assess, is that is there a reduced conversion of T4 to T3? And then we want to take the next steps. Like if there is a reduced conversion of T4 to T3, are there inflammatory mechanisms that would be driving that process? And then we also want to consider what tissues are being Im- impacted by that immune inflammatory process. Okay, let's back up a minute because I know we got very granular, very fast, and we probably lost some people. So I want to back up a little bit and take a little bit wider view. Your book is called The Thyroid Debacle, Why the Current Medical Model is Keeping You Sick and Unwell. And before we started recording, you were talking about how your approach to thyroid disorders is different. And so you were talking about what allopathic medicine does, what a root cause functional approach is, and then going beyond. So I think that would be great for everyone to hear. Do you want to talk a little bit about what the thyroid debacle is? Yeah, I think it's the fact, I think it goes to the fact that we treat these, every person that has hypothyroid signs and symptoms or actually has hypothyroidism as if they're in that state we call homeostasis, that if we're just going to give them thyroid hormone, it's going to do what we wanted to do. Whether it's T4 or T3, we assume it's going to work inside the cells and it doesn't work the same if we're in homeostasis versus allostasis. So we have to change our thinking as clinicians and, and stop thinking that the immune system's out of control and destroying the gland for no apparent reason, or that this body forgot how to convert T4 to T3. And if I just flood the system with T4 and T3, it's going to work the way I should. We have to, as clinicians, start to understand and explain to our patients that they're not broken. Their bodies are adapting to some type of excessive cell stress response. And if we address the things that are causing the excessive cell stress, that's how you get their body to convert T4 to T3 efficiently. That's how they get their immune system to stop damaging and destroying their thyroid gland. I think we make the mistake, in an, especially in functional and integrative medicine, that it's the reason that people don't feel well is, is because they can't convert T4 to T3 versus they're adaptively doing that and giving them T3 can provide a, just another drug providing a temporary fix, but it doesn't address the root issues. Yeah. So you talk about hypothyroidism as a spectrum disorder. What do you mean by that? In allopathic medicine and even to some degree in functional medicine, we consider that hypothyroidism starts when the gland can't make thyroid hormone anymore, TSH is lab high, T4, free T4 is lab low that's when hypothyroidism starts. 
We might even, and that's not when hypothyroid starts, in my opinion. That's the end stage of hypothyroidism. What the literature shows is that by the time you're diagnosed with primary hypothyroidism, you've lost 90% of the function of your thyroid gland. So that's not the beginning. That's like saying cardiovascular disease starts when you have your first heart attack or blood sugar dysregulation starts when you get diagnosed with diabetes. Everything is a process in the body. So my thought process and my hypothesis is that hypothyroidism typically starts at the individual cell and tissue level, not at the thyroid gland level. So that's why somebody like you says, hey, I'm tired, fatigued. I don't feel well. I have hypothyroid signs and symptoms, but my TSH is still normal. My free T4 is still normal. And it's because we're checking what the gland output is potentially and not considering that what is ultimately causing hypothyroid signs and symptoms isn't about the gland. It's not about what's in the bloodstream. It's about how much T3 is hitting the receptors inside the cell. And that's under the control of the individual cells and tissues to a large degree. So I think most hypothyroidism starts at the cell and tissue level. And if it's short-term, you get short-term hypothyroid signs and symptoms. You get an upregulation of the immune inflammatory system. We address the cold, the virus, the bacteria, and, it, and those signs and symptoms go away. But if the stress becomes chronic and persistent, then not only do we have cellular or tissue hypothyroidism start to occur, but now we get glandular thyroiditis that starts to occur and eventually we lose gland function. And that's why if you're then just giving T4 or maybe just T3, the symptoms, the improvement's only temporary and partial mm -hmm. and we don't get full resolve in, in either, regardless of the medication you're taking. And so you talk about the cell danger response. You've talked a little bit about that, what's going on in the cell as a mm -hmm. big determinant. And then you talk about the fitness factors that help you determine each patient's stress load. So how can everybody listening know, how do they know, are my cells in a cell danger response? How would somebody know before we get to the fitness factors? How would somebody know? Well, if you feel awesome, you have plenty of energy, no real signs or symptoms, you sleep eight hours, you feel well rested, you got good muscle mass, limited extra body fat tissue on you, you've got tons of energy, great libido, probably not in the cell danger response. But if you have chronic health issues, gaining weight, I mean, gaining weight and seeing blood sugar dysregulation would be two of the easy things to say that there's something wrong with your cellular physiology. But beyond that, look, at if you have lots of signs and symptoms, there's some type of abnormal physiology going on. And that's when you start needing to say, maybe I'm in this allostatic state or cell danger response and not in homeostasis, because homeostasis means that I make enough energy to do everything I need to do at a cellular level efficiently. So the caloric intake is appropriate. I can make sex hormones. I can do everything I want to do. That's homeostasis. Yeah, well, you just described like 60 to 80% of women over 40 have some list of signs and symptoms going wrong with their health. So we're pretty That's much all That's because probably 60 to 80% of the people have a cell <laughs> danger response. And if you right. look at the population of the U.S., six, 50 to 60% of the U.S. population is overweight or obese. 50 to 60% of the population is on a statin. 50 to 60% of the population is diabetic. 
So yeah, I think that's easy to say that yeah, 40 to I mean the large percentage of people are grossly unhealthy today. Yes, yes we are. And so the average person listening that they're like, "Check, that's me." Particularly if they're suspecting that they have a thyroid problem, how do they get at the root of well, why are my cells having a cell danger response? And what are the specific issues that I personally need to address to help improve my thyroid so that I don't go through this, the cha-cha, the T4 cha-cha with the allopathic practitioner, the T3 cha-cha with the functional practitioner, and they want to get out of that dance. How do they figure out what is causing the cell danger response for their cells in particular? Well, I mean, it's easy to do a self-assessment, and it's one of the things that Dr. Kelly and I, who was my co-author in the book, we talk about the fitness factors, and we talk about the different kind of aspects of your physiology that are probably contributing to the excessive stress load. And so when we talk about stress, most of the time, everybody thinks about emotional stress as the problem, right? This external thing that then causes us to have this angst. But stress comes in lots of different forms. You're never going to be stress-free. That's never the goal of what you're trying to accomplish. What you need to be able to do is stress the physiology and allow for recovery. So when we think about what creates excessive cell stress, it could be a number of factors. One of the things in my situation, in my 40s, I was still you know, doing a lot of sports and training. I was doing triathlons at that point in time and training hard and you know, a few hours of physical training per day, running the businesses, coaching, being a dad, sleeping four hours a day. And I had a great, I mean, my diet was good. I was physically active. My mindset was good. But the big thing that drove me to have chronic inflammatory immune and thyroiditis issues was I was overtraining and limited recovery on top of poor breathing habits due to multiple broken noses. So I wasn't breathing well. I was overtraining. I wasn't allowing for recovery. So one day is not that big of a deal. My body's able to adapt. But do that over and over again, and you start to create an excessive stress response on the tissues. And your cells and tissues say, like, enough already. Let's try and shut this thing down. But as many athletes are, they go, pain is weakness leaving the body or discomfort is weakness leaving the body. And we try and just keep pushing forward. And then if you have that type of stress on your system, plus respiratory stress, plus work stress, plus emotional stress, plus relationship stress, at some point, the stress becomes excessive. And then I need to shift how my cellular physiology works. And I'll give you an example of how I typically express the cell danger physiology to my clients. And that is, do you have kids yourself? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you love your kids? Yeah. Okay. So let's say this weekend, you're going to have a huge party at your house, right? One of your kids, your favorite one is sitting at your kitchen island, right? Eating food. You've got four burners on, you're cooking a whole bunch of food, you're doing wash, you're cleaning, you're doing everything all at the same time. And somebody breaks into your home and starts attacking your child. Are you going to continue to cook? Nope. Are you going to take time to turn the burners off, put everything in nice glass Tupperware? Nope. Okay. Are you going to try and slide one more load of wash in? Nope. Finish vacuuming? No. Are you going to try and take a nap? Nope. Sex? Nope. Okay. So if I walked into your house and I saw the foods burning on the stove, the house is a disaster, a mess, vacuum cleaners running down, running in the middle of the floor, clothes are all over the place, I can make a couple decisions, right? I can make some thoughts. I could just say, 
well, you're a terrible cook and ter terrible housekeeper. So I'm going to fix this and I'm going to hire you a chef and I'm going to hire you a housekeeper and I'll fix the problem. And it look, they come in, they clean it up. Everything looks awesome. Or I can ask a better question, which is why is this happening? Is there an explanation for why you would leave the food burning on the stove, leave the vacuum cleaner running, leave the house a disaster, and maybe I start to investigate that? So we can make one of two choices, that your terrible cook chef, just like we could say the thyroid physiology is broken and the cell physiology is, is out of control, or we could say, is this an appropriate adaptive response? So when somebody has is feeling tired and fatigued and has signs and symptoms of hypothyroidism or actually is diagnosed with hypothyroidism but still doesn't feel well on the medication, is their immune system out of control? Are they unable to convert T4 to T3? Or is what we're seeing not broken physiology but adaptive physiology? It's the appropriate response given the stressors that are put on the system. And my mm -hmm. argument is, whether it's an allopathic approach or a functional medicine approach, we shouldn't be getting in the way and trying to fix an imbalance if it's an adaptation. And we shouldn't be assuming that everything's broken physiology, but start to look at the wisdom of the body and start to say, maybe this is adaptive. And what I need to identify is what's creating that excessive stress response. And if I address that, if I find out that you're in your basement fighting off an attacker and I take down the attacker and we get that attacker you know, off of you and in custody and get rid of them, that's the solution. You weren't being a terrible housekeeper and cook. You were doing exactly the right thing you should have been doing. And the signs and symptoms, the burning food and the stuff all over the place was what we should be seeing. The signs and symptoms that you have, my hormones don't regulate. I'm gaining weight even though I'm eating and exercising appropriately. We need to look at those signs and symptoms and stop trying to like play, you know, whack-a-mole with those results and, or those lab values and start to say, okay, what's create, why is the body adaptively doing that? Mm -hmm. And when we do that, that's what functional medicine is, in my opinion. Okay. And so what is the strategic thyroid solution is to identify and fix these root causes. Do you want to talk about maybe the top three most important ones you list? Dietary fitness, sleep fitness, respiratory fitness, emotional, physical, habitual, environmental fitness, metabolic, and genetic. What would be the top three in your opinion? Well, I think the top three would probably be and we think about the things that we have the greatest control over and cost us next to nothing, okay? And they're all important for the listener. She kind of ran mm -hmm. through those, but they're all important. But definitely respiratory fitness would be right at the top of my list. If you breathe inappropriately, and I would say the vast majority of us breathe inappropriately, we overbreathe, we mouth breathe, especially at night when nobody's really paying attention. If you overbreathe or excessively mouth breathe, you wind up reducing carbon dioxide levels. You wind up creating what we call hypoxia at the tissue level. And as soon as you induce hypoxia at the tissue level, low oxygen, you can't burn fat as a fuel efficiently. You downregulate your thyroid physiology, and that's going to set the stage for chronic immune inflammatory processes. So it doesn't cost anything to improve your breathing. It just takes time and activity or time and training. And first thing you got to do is be aware. So how do you become aware that you might have a respiratory 
for my clients, I, I give them a respiratory fitness questionnaire, have them go through those things. But key things to keep an eye on are, you know, do you snore? And you may say, well, I never snore. Well, how do you know? <laughs> well, nobody complains. Well, that doesn't mean you don't, right? And so if you're a mouth breather, if you snore, if you have a history of cavities or gum disease, there's a good chance that you're a mouth breather. If you've had a deviated septum or broken nose, probably a good chance that you are a, more of a mouth breather. If you get stuffy or congested at night, it's probably a good indication that you're going to tend to be more of a mouth breather. And so assess it, address it, retrain your body's ability to breathe appropriately. If you, The other thing you could do is you could check your respiratory rate. I think when you and I went to school, they, we, the average respiratory rate, somewhere between 15, maybe 18 breaths per minute was considered normal. But really mm -hmm. optimal is somewhere between six and 10 breaths per minute for optimal health. And most people aren't even close to it. And the other mm -hmm. thing I have my patients do is do a controlled breath hold time test where they blow all the air out, hold their breath until they start to get their first signs of anxiousness or panic. And if that number, optimally, that number should be closer to over 40. But you know, a lot of people with chronic health issues, it's under 20, under 10. They, their poor breathing habits may be a really big contributor to what's creating some of their problems. And it doesn't cost you anything to check it. And it doesn't cost you anything to retrain your breathing. And there's plenty of things out there that if you need guided care, yoga, there's lots of yoga type breathing things. There's Wim Hof and all these things that can teach you and train you how to rebreathe. And you don't have to, but you really don't have to pay for anything. You just got to work on it. I would say number two would be good nutrition. And despite the craziness in the functional medicine space today, where we've circled the diet religions in and we're shooting in at each other. The focus of somebody's dietary strategy, it, you know, it should be a whole food based diet 80% of the time is a great place to start. If you're eating a lot of processed foods, start there, stop doing it, right? That's the easy thing to do. And you can say, well, do I need to be carnivore? Do I need to be keto? Do I need to be vegetarian, vegan, paleo, mediterranean? What do I need to be? Get rid of all those fancy names and religions and just start shifting your diet to being 80% of the time whole food based. That's a great place to start. What we've done in functional medicine and this in, the, in our industry is somebody's found that they did something, it helped them, helped the patient, so therefore everybody should be doing it. And what we have to consider that a carnivore diet can be really beneficial to somebody for a short period of time. Paleo diet could be very beneficial for somebody for a short period of time, maybe vegan mm -hmm. or vegetarian. Depending on what you're doing and how you're doing and what's going on with your physiology, variation in diet may be, may be important to change. But the real issue isn't with what type of whole food diet we should be eating. We should be reducing the toxic load of the processed foods. And if we just do that, most people are going to start to become healthier and more satisfied. Right. And, then, and then I'd say the third thing is... Well, I was going to say just before you go to that, we just need to stop eating the crap and just <laughs> right? eat the, real yeah, food. We've lost touch with what we think healthy food is because we have... Right stickers and labels that we stick on things and say, oh, this is, this is organic. This is whatever. And we think, oh, then it must be good. Well, Not so. it's all marketing. Right. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. And so the third thing would be. I think it's one of those things you, that everybody can 
work on that's really important for health and well-being is quality sleep. Too many of us, and I was one of those, I was like, you can sleep when you're dead. So, you know, I could stay up late studying, doing research, get up early so I could start training, four hours of sleep. I I thought that was like a badge of like honor. I wore that proudly for probably 20 years, but I didn't realize the negative consequences it really had on my physiology. You can't heal and recover. Your brain does not process things appropriately if you don't sleep yeah. appropriately. You don't, you can't clear out the toxins in the brain if you don't get good quality restorative sleep. And the vast majority of us are not getting it. We're on TVs or cell phones or whatever. We're taking stimulants too late in the day. We're sleeping with somebody who snores and keeps us from waking up. We're sleeping with our kids or our dog that keeps us awake. We're doing so many things to disrupt our sleep patterns. And we don't realize how impactful that can be on our physiology. But those are three things that don't cost you anything to do tomorrow that easily you can easily assess just by Googling healthy whole food diet. How do I check my respiratory rate? How do I improve my sleep? And you do those foundational things. You, your sleep may still not get, may not be as good as you want it to be, but you still have to start with good sleep habits and behaviors to be even have a chance of getting a better night's sleep. Right. And you can read about the other fitness factors in the book. So I definitely recommend that. But I got to ask you, where's spiritual fitness on that list? Well, I think that for me, that fits into that psychological or emotional fitness category. Like what goes on between the six inches of your ears has a huge impact on your physiology. So we talk about things in there. Like I think One of the things that's really important for people who are really anxious or depressed or sad or unhappy with their life is I think to have whether I don't care what religion somebody is, but I think having some spiritual beliefs is really important. And the other thing is the principles that we learn in whatever church you go to or whatever, you know, whatever spiritual philosophy you grew up in. Those found many of those foundational principles are just good things to, you know, good principles to live by. And if you mm-hmm. live by a lot of those principles, you're gonna feel and you're gonna feel and functional better from an emotional, from a spiritual standpoint. A lot of times people think that their life is terrible, my life is awful, I'm in such bad shape, everything is terrible for me, ah, blah, 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 blah. Those are the people I usually say you need to volunteer. You need to go volunteer. You need to go help mm-hmm. somebody who's in worse shape than you and start to start <laughs> to realize, you know even though things may not all be going right, that there is some blessings in your life and some benefits in your life. But sometimes we're so stuck in our stuff and we're so focused on how terrible things are and what's wrong that we can't actually see how good what's around us is. And so, yeah, I think you have to have some, that that spiritual piece is part of the emotional psychological fitness. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying is so true. I The other day, I was all in my head about my problems, and I'm in Dubai, and I met a guy on the waterfront who moved here with his family from Syria at 19 to study computer science, and he lost his two sisters a few months ago in the war in Syria, and here I am thinking that I have issues, uh, and he told me, it's okay, and I said, really? <laughs> And so it just really puts things in perspective. But for me, in particular, the thyroid has a lot of spiritual meaning for women. I think that's one of the reasons why women have such a greater rate of thyroid dysfunction, particularly because it's in that throat chakra or energy center where you're supposed to speak your truth, and so many women don't. 
So in particular, it's something that I talk with women about. So I was curious where that fit into your your perspective. I'm not as in tune maybe from a from a chakra perspective as you are and there may be something to that. I don't know necessarily, but I do think what goes on whether consciously or or subconsciously between the 6 inches of your ears has a drastic influence over your overall health and well-being. I mean, if you have a lot of trauma, a lot of emotional burden, that's going to create a windup of the limbic system, a windup of the sympathetic nervous system, a down regulation of the parasympathetic. And for the listener, you know, the sympathetic nervous system is that flight or flight response. And the parasympathetic is kind of the rest and recovery response. And so if in my mind, I'm stressed, I'm worried, I've got negative thoughts going on in that space and I can't manage and control it, that is going to drive a state of danger. It's a state of fear, a state of, of fight or flight response. And that will totally shift your physiology. I mean, if I was being chased by the tiger and I'm running for my life, I'm probably not going to make digestive hormones because I don't need them right. anymore. I'm probably not right. going to make appropriate levels of sex hormones because I don't need those. I'm not stopping to have sex, right? I am running, right? And so my physiology adapts to what's going on in my environment, whether it's the physical environment or the spiritual or emotional environment, my body's going to adapt to that environment. All right. Dr. Eric, thank you so much for raising the conversation level around thyroid disorder diagnosis and treatment. The book is The Thyroid Debacle, Why the Current Medical Model is Keeping You Sick and Unwell. Where can people connect with you online and found that, find out more about the work that you're doing? Sure. My website is rejuvagencenter.com. So if somebody wants to learn more about me, they can go there. If they want to have a what we call a discovery consultation, just kind of chat about what's going on and what maybe the right strategies are, or if I'm a if they want to potentially work with me, what that looks like. I do have a podcast. It calls it's called the Thyroid Answers Podcast, where we talk about not just thyroid physiology, but I talk about everything through the lens of the cell danger response. So. I don't care what condition you have. We're talking about those foundational principles, physical fitness, emotional fitness, all those things that we kind of hinted to in the discussion. I've got a YouTube where all my podcasts are listed on there as well as wherever you get your podcast, you can get them. You can download those the podcast. I do Thursdays. I do thyroid Thursday videos. They're on YouTube and I my team puts them on Instagram. That's probably where I'm not really spend too much time on social media, but that's where we post like on Instagram. And then anybody who I do, we do regular posts on there and then any commentary that's, that comes in, those are a lot of times what becomes the content for a podcast, a thyroid Thursday or an Instagram post. So those are the best places to reach out and uh, hear more about what I'm doing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for the invitation. It's great. And thank you for listening to another episode of The Hormone Prescription with Dr. Kieran. Hopefully you learned something today that you will put into action. Maybe start figuring out what's triggering your cell danger response because pretty much most all of us women over 40 have it. And start doing something about it like Dr. Eric was talking about. Looking at your food, looking at your sleep, looking at your breathing. This is a place to start. Reach out and tell me about it on social media at Kieran Dunstan, MD on Facebook. And Instagram. I look forward to having and continuing the conversation with you there. And until next week, uh, when I'll see you for another episode, peace, love, and hormones, y'all. 
Thank you so much for listening. I know that incredible vitality occurs for women over 40 when we learn to speak hormone and balance these vital regulators to create the health and the life that we deserve. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you'd give me a review and subscribe. It really does help this podcast out so much. You can visit thehormoneprescription.com where we have some free gifts for you. And you can sign up to have a hormone evaluation with me on the podcast to gain clarity into your personal situation. Until next time, remember, take small steps each day to balance your hormones and watch the wonderful changes in your health that begin to unfold for you. Talk to you soon.